Got your Bibles? Hope you have them with you. Take them and turn with me. Um, or look up Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. We're going to start there today. We're going to go one other place, and I'm going to have you turn there as well. But Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. We uh, uh, started a brand new series last week called Yes. And the point of the series that we're going to do over the month of January, so last week and this week and the next two weeks, is that you have within your possession a very valuable possession that you ought to guard, that you ought to take care of, that you ought to be careful with. And that is what you say yes to and what you say no to. That the word yes has power in your life to open up doors, to open up avenues, to take you to places that God intends. But at the same time, and used incorrectly, the word yes can have consequences if it's yes to the wrong things or the wrong path or the wrong relationship. And all of us in this room at some time in our lives have seen when we have said yes to things that have been good and fruitful and prosperous and they were good for us and they helped us to live our lives more on target with where God has called us to live. We've also in this room seen those times in our lives when we have said yes to things that take us away from the will of God, that detour us from the path that God intends for us to do. Next week, we're going to talk more specifically about when to say no, when to say not now, when to look ahead and say that that is not something God intends. But before we get there, I want to remind us again this week from this passage and another what it looks like to say yes to God. If you remember last week, we talked about the fact that when we say yes, the most important yes we have is not to a plan. It's not even to an action. It's not to a commitment. It's not to a relationship. It's not to a business. It's not to a career. It's not to an opportunity. The most important yes in our lives is when we say yes to a person, not a plan. When we say yes to the Lord. Whether that's the first time we're putting our faith in Him, or whether that is going deeper in the faith that He has called us to be a part of. We must first, in our lives, say yes to Him. Now there are some ramifications of that. There are some outliers of what happens when we do that. When we say yes to the Lord without parameters, without guidelines, which is what He intends for us to do, when we do that, we lay ourselves bare before Him and say, wherever you lead, I'll go. I grew up in a church singing that song about every third Sunday. You know what, you know, we had four songs we used on rotation. Just as I am was doubled up. We used it a couple of times a month. I surrender all and wherever you lead, I'll go. That was kind of it, right? Every once in a while we do Jesus paid it all as an invitation. But when you would say those words, I mean, there are, that's a bold statement, right? Wherever you lead, I'll go. There are lots of times, I know Charlotte talked about when you come in here, and sometimes you just don't feel the words you're saying. There are lots of times we proclaim words in a place like this, and we don't really think about what we're saying. Because when you say yes to the person, not the plan God has for your life, as we talked about with Abram last week, Abraham last week, what happened in his life is it was radically changed with a yes. So this week, I want to remind us again what that looks like and the benefits that come from saying yes to the Lord. 
I want to make sure we are fully aware that there are good things that come when we say yes to the Lord. Isaiah 26, 8 is my life verse. And it reminds us of the importance of that. And we highlighted those first two words last week, but I want to talk a little bit about the rest of those verses today and then go to a place in the New Testament that gives us a little more explanation. It says, yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Now, here's the reality. I want to talk about the first two words there just for a moment. I want to talk about the last part of it and then come back to the middle. Because those first two words are the most important. We said this last week. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, Father. Yes, Savior. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Whatever the question, yes. No debate. No try to negotiate. Just Yes. My teenagers aren't here today. But they like to negotiate. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? They like to negotiate time. They like to negotiate like, like when it's going to happen, how long it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, on whose terms it's going to happen, what's going to happen. They are master negotiators. Sometimes I think to solve some of our political problems in the world, we should just unleash a bunch of teenagers on foreign governments. Right? Let them wear them down. Either that or like four-year-olds that want something at the grocery store. One of those two. We have master negotiators within us that when the Lord comes to us, we often will say, yes, but, Lord. Yes, if, Lord. The most important words there are just simply, yes, Lord. And then at the end of it, he gives us our purpose in life, our desire in life. What is to be the goal of our lives? Yes, Lord. And then he did some things. And then he says, for your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. And I don't know what it is that you're living for. I don't know that if you were to write down the purpose statement of your life, what I can tell you is if you come up with anything other than that, you are shooting way too low. If it's a business opportunity, if it's a family understanding, if it's a goal you have that is earthly based, that is far below what God intends for your purpose in life to be. Yes, Lord, your name, your renown are the desire of my soul. That I want nothing more in my life to glorify God, to proclaim the name of Jesus, to lead in a revolution of understanding what God's name is. I've been reading some stuff this week. I don't know whether you know this or not, but we started a new decade. Did y'all know that? Right? And it's the 20s, right? Does anybody remember what the 1920s were called? The Roaring Twenties, right? Now, why were they called the Roaring Twenties? Huh? It was a good time, right? Charleston and flappers and speakeasies and clubs and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, I wasn't there. I've just heard about it. I've read about it. I'm not going to ask who's been there in here, all right? We, we have some church members that were born in the Twenties, all right? 1920s. I've been reading some stuff this week. 
that there's a movement developing. Uh, the conference that I talked about several weeks ago in kind of my personal journey, the conference called Passion kind of let out in this, but there are other people that are online this thing that are calling for a revolution to happen within the Christian community and that we would claim the 20s as the roaring 20s where we are roaring the name and the renown of God to the nations. There are people all over the country that are fasting during this month, preparing themselves for what's to come in the next decade. Your name, your renown, are the desire of our souls. We understand what it means to have your name or renown of something that we care about proclaimed loudly. Some people have assumed I'm wearing blue today for a specific reason. Because of a game that happened last night, some of you are some of you. I've, I've got to keep it shorter today because you stayed up and watched the two-tone Blue Titans win last night. You know what's interesting is I started seeing some stuff on social media. What people loved more than anything, not more than anything, but what they really enjoyed. Some of you remember this. I went to one of these playoff games back when the Titans were like the number one seed, and the Ravens came in and beat us a couple of times. anybody, anybody remember that? Okay, I was at one of those games. It was a miserable game. I remember it well. All right, and what I remember about that game is towards the end of the game is when the Titans fans just kind of slunk out of the stadium, depressed. And there was a little group of Raven fans that made their way to the front, and everybody was so happy down there in Raven Town. I saw some pictures last night. Right, the Raven fans slunk out of town. And there were some Titan fans down there hooting, hollering with the players, living it up in Titan Town in the middle of Baltimore. Because they wanted to proclaim the greatness of their team. And it didn't matter. You know what? I bet if you ask those Titans fans, was it upsetting to you that you were like one of the, the very, the, one of the minority here? No, because we care so much about our team. It doesn't matter what other people think. Oh, for the saints of God to declare with the same force, no matter what the odds out there say, not our personal political agendas, not our personal ideas, but the glory and the renown and the fame of the God we serve. Yes, Lord, your name, your renown are the desire of of our souls. Let's go back to that verse. Isaiah 26. Eight. In the midst of it. Are two things that happen. That help us. To declare his glory. That help us. Is when we say yes. It's not yes to one decision. It's not yes to one commitment. It's not yes to one thing. It's yes to him. But the way that we show that, the way that that plays out, is that we are walking in the way of your laws, waiting for you. The biblical phrase there, the Old Testament understanding of that is, that there is always, when you read scripture, it's interesting, when it talks about the life that we live, the faith that we live, the way that we live out our faith, it uses this phrase, walking a lot. Walking in your ways. Walking in the truth. And the idea there is a slow, steady commitment to the Lord. 
It doesn't say running in your ways. It doesn't say skipping in your ways. It doesn't say any of those things. It doesn't say going all out with full force for a short period of time. The point here is endurance and stability and commitment that last over time. Now what it means to follow the Lord is just to say yes to the next thing the Lord puts in front of you. It's not to say yes to the next 30 things the Lord puts in front of you. It's not to say yes to the next 100 days. It's to say yes to today. Yes to this moment. Yes to this decision. You know, talking to people sometimes that when you're a pastor, you get to talk to people at some of the highest of moments. You get to talk to some people at the lowest of moments. And one of the things that is consistently part of my advice that I think is biblically based is you just take it one step at a time. I'll never forget being in the hospital when we were taking Eli home for the first time and thinking, I can't believe they're letting us take this one home and not sending somebody with us. Like, I kept expecting they were going to send somebody to check up on us like day two or day three. Because we didn't know how to do this. Amen? We didn't know how to do that, right? So, I remember that. Now, here's what I also remember. When we had Ava, this is a true story. We had Ava. I don't know if you know this now. They make you go to a class before you can get out of the hospital. When you have a newborn baby, you have to go to a class. You get have to do all that. We walked into the class. We sat down at the back. And the instructor looked at us. And I don't know what it was about us. I don't know if it was the backs under the eyes. I don't know if it was the life experience. She said, how many times have you all done this? We said, this is our four. She said, I knew it was more than three. You're good. Go. <laughs> I have no idea what about our appearance that day. But I remember walking out that day. And there was this couple who, <laughs> you could tell from the look, first time. First of all, they're like 15 years younger than us, but that was beside the point. First time, looking at them, and just this look on their face like, how do you, <laughs> like, how do, you do this? You do it one yes at a time. And sometimes people come to me overwhelmed, Lord, like I've gotten my life off track or I've moved away from the Lord. How do I do this? How do I get back on track? How do I follow what the Lord has called you? It's walking in the ways of your laws. It's the next yes. Take your Bibles if you have them. This isn't going to be on the screen, and so if you don't have it, you just have to listen. Or you can reach, there's a Bible in front of you, a black Bible um, that is... Uh, there for you to use. If you don't have a Bible at home, you can take it with you. To Colossians over in the New Testament. Colossians. So if you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then you get to the GE Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So on page 1061 in my Bible, but probably doesn't help you. We're studying the book of Colossians as a staff over the next couple of months. And so I have been diving headfirst into the first chapter over the last week. We started last week 
And I just was taken aback. When I get to Colossians 1, most of the time in my study, I want to run right ahead to verse 15 where it talks about the glory of Christ, who he is. He is the image of the invisible God. But there is some things in front of that that shows us what it means to say yes to the Lord next on a daily basis. And so Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, just so you know, Paul is writing to a church he's never been to, to people he's never met. Now, he's heard about them, but he has never met them. He got a report from Epaphras that there were some things going on there that weren't good, that teaching was happening that wasn't good, and Paul is writing them. And he says in verse 9 of chapter 1, Since the day we have heard this, about the fact that you have been faithful, that you're trying to do what's right, we haven't stopped praying for you. Now, here's what's interesting. What Paul tells them he's praying for them is what it means to say yes to the Lord on a daily basis. He says we are asking, and he gives the specific things he's asking, but what he's also doing in his prayer here, as he's writing to them, is asking this of the Lord. I believe he is truly praying this. But he's also giving them the blueprint for how they ought to live their lives, saying yes to the Lord. He says we are asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he says, we're praying that God will let you know who he is and what he's doing. Now, part of that's going to come through this letter. Part of it's going to come through Old Testament reading. Part of it's going to come through their pastor who is trained by Paul. But he's saying, listen, my prayer is that you're going to be filled in your life with knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. To us, he would say, my prayer is that you'll understand what God wants you to do by reading his word, by listening to good teaching, by being a part of a small group where you're studying this, like going through a study, like experiencing God that lays out the plans and the understanding of how God operates. He says, I want you to know that so that in verse 10, so that here's that word again, you may walk, not run, not jump, not skip, walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. My prayer is that you'll know what to do. And then you'll do it. When you do, he says, you will bear fruit in every good work and in knowledge of God. And then he gives some things that happen once we begin to walk with the Lord. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to summarize it in three things that happen in our lives that are more biblically based than just this particular passage. But they're an understanding that we get through the word. He says that when you walk with the Lord, when you are pleasing to him, when you are doing his will, when you are doing what he's called you to do, you will be strengthened with all power. The word there is important because it doesn't say you will strengthen yourself. The idea is that you will be strengthened by God and that you will be strengthened with all power according to his might. This isn't by our power. This isn't by our reserves. This isn't by what I can do. This is by his power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. That you'll be able to sustain, as it says in Isaiah 26, 8, that you'll be able to wait on him. And that no matter the circumstance, verse 12, you will joyfully give thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. And then he just reminds us. If we ever question whether or not it's good to say yes to the Lord, verse 13 reminds us, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have been saved. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
So Paul says, this is why it's important to say yes. He said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying not only will you know what to do, not only will God give you a vision of what to do, not only will God give you an understanding of what to do, but that you will then do it. Because when you are, he will give you the strength according to his power to give you the endurance to persevere so that you can give thanks in every circumstance and to share in the inheritance of the glory of God because he has rescued you from darkness and has saved you from your sins. I got a couple of amens, but that was amen worthy. And so what happens when we say yes to the Lord? Why is it important for us to say yes to the Lord? Three things today and then we're done. First of all, saying yes to the Lord puts you back in control of your life. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to, before we even get into this, I want to put a footnote here, all right? In the rest of the message, I may refer to it just as simply footnote, but I'm going to put it here. If you've not been around long, you may not know this. If you've been around for a while, you probably understand this. I'm not saying that you will be in complete control of your life because there's only one in complete control of life, and he is God. I believe Scripture teaches and I believe in the sovereignty of God that all things are under His control and under His power. But what I also understand is that however it works out in the sovereignty of God, in His overseeing the universe, He has allowed us to be able to make decisions that matter. I don't understand how all that works. And I say when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Him. I may not understand it then. I hope to learn. But my point is that when you say yes to the Lord, you are actively trying to participate in the plan that God already has for your life. We live in a permissive society. We actually live in a ride-sharing society where we like to be driven to places, where we like to be taken to places, that figuratively and in reality, without us having a lot of control on it. I saw this, I don't know if you know this, but um, the Consumer Electronics Show was this week where they show all this future technology that's coming out. One of the things they showed off was this car. I'm sure all of us could afford this, but um, this is a a foreign, maybe you've heard of this foreign car, car company. This is one of their prototype cars, one of their future cars. That they hope to develop within the next few years. It's, it's current enough that they've built a model of it. Okay? There are a couple of things that are interesting about this car. Obviously, the, the shape is weird, right? Um, but here's the other thing. There are a couple of things missing in this car that we expect to be in a car. Primarily, a steering wheel. There's no steering wheel in this car. How many of you would be comfortable getting in a car without a steering wheel? Right? Here's what I want to tell you. You might want to get comfortable with it because it's coming. It's coming. There are are people out there, futurists. Wouldn't that be a great job just to be imagining stuff that may or may not come true? Right? Futurists out there that say that babies born today may never carry cash may never have a bank account card, they'll use other methods, and will probably never get a driver's license for a car. Because the cars are going to drive us. 
There's also futurists that predict that within 10 years, the Netflix model of cars will be gaining traction to the point that it will pass car ownership. Do you know what Netflix cars are? It's not actually Netflix, all right? It's the thing where you'll just put on your wrist or your computer device, I need to go to Publix, and a car will show up at your place, take you there, and drop you off. You'll never own the car. You just rent the rights to use it. Now, y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. It's coming, all right? It is coming. It's already happening in some places. And here's what's going to happen. They're not there yet. I know I know the stories. Y'all watch ABC News. Everybody freaks out when a, a non-human piloted car hits somebody. But that's recurring less and less. And it will get to the point that they will be more reliable than you are. Because let's all admit it, sometimes we're not the most reliable human beings. Don't say amen about your spouse on that, please, all right? And the insurance companies will make it where to get insurance to drive your own car will be a luxury, something you can't do. That's what's coming. Because what's going to happen then is, here's the thing, when you're not driving, you know what you can do? You can check out. You can watch videos on your phone. You can text. You can People are doing that anyways now, but at least they won't be behind the wheel. You can do whatever you're doing. TikTok while you're in there, all right? I know all you, all you are TikTokers. I got that, all right? Y'all don't even know what that is, all right? But here's my point. We're moving towards a society where more and more things are done for us. And what saying yes to the Lord does in a spiritual sense is it puts our hands back on the steering wheel. Under the Lord's control. Again, footnote, God's in complete control. But however it works, he gives us opportunity to be a part of it. I think about Mary. We just got through Christmas, and you don't, sometimes we don't talk about Christmas stuff through the rest of the year because that's for Christmas. But you think about Mary, man. She probably had this whole wedding thing figured out, right? I mean, she had been engaged to this guy. There was a major party coming. I mean, Jewish weddings in that day were seven-day affairs, week-long affairs. Entire town quit work for a week to celebrate. Party night after party night celebrating the young couple. Mary's is coming. Every young girl looked forward to it. She may not have been looking at Bride magazine, but she knew what was coming. And then an angel appears and says, sorry, not going to happen because you're going to have the Son of God. Really went like now, like in a few day, a few months, it's going to happen. We'll get to Joseph. We'll talk to Joseph, but you need to know that. And I'm always amazed because most people think Mary was in her early teens, 14, 15, 16 years old. And she just says, may it be as the Lord says. You know the way to say that? Yes, Lord. Now, here's the thing. Mary didn't have much of a choice in that matter at that moment of what God was going to do, but she chose to put her hands on the wheel and be a part with God of what was coming. When we say yes to the Lord, it helps us to put ourselves back in a place where we can help control, not over the Lord, but that we partner with Him in the process. Second thing it helps us is that it calms our fears. We live in a culture that not only is willing to let other people kind of take the lead or that we want to be chauffeured places or we kind of back, take a back seat. We also live in a place where fear 
carries people's lives. Where our news cycles instill and create fear. Where the arguments that politicians use instill and create fears. Where the arguments that religious people use create and instill fear. That young people live their lives with fear of missing out or fear of what's going to happen to their future, of not knowing what's happened. And when you say no to the Lord, those fears are not settled. They are not quelched. They grow. They rumble. They come up. And I'm not here today to say the circumstances of your life aren't real. I realize that divorce is a reality in our society that is difficult not only on those that get divorced, but on the children that are a part of that. But saying yes to the Lord, following Him, saying, God, I'm going to do whatever you ask of me to do. I'm going to walk your path past that will help you to not live your life based on fear that comes from that relationship, from that breaking apart, from that childhood memory. And there's some in this room right now. I'm not saying that the circumstance of getting a bad diagnosis or having to deal with a medical issue that may be long term or fatal. It's not real. But it's also easy in the midst of that to shrink back and to be scared and be fearful and to live our lives not living out what God's called us to do because we have something wrong with us. I don't know what your circumstance is. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a loss that you've experienced. Maybe it's something that's been added to your plate and you're scared. Sometimes success brings fear that you make it to a level and you're like, I can't go back. I can't give up what I've got. And you live constantly in fear of what that would mean. The thing about following the Lord is this. That when we follow and say yes to Him, He gives us a spirit of power, not of fear, not of timidity. That's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. And here's the reason the fear in our lives can be quelched is because... We know that the God who started the work is going to carry the work on into completion. So what Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, that I give thanks to God for every remembrance of you. This is written by Paul, by the way. Anybody know where Paul was when he wrote Philippians? In jail, all right? And so Paul's in jail. He's uh, writing this letter to the Philippians and he says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying for you with all of every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he says this, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We say yes to the Lord. We're saying yes to the one that is going to redeem us completely, that has saved us from our sins, is helping to give us strength to stand from our sins, and will one day eliminate our sins. And here's the last thing we say yes to the Lord. It talks about this in Colossians and Isaiah 26 is it helps us to live a powerful, principled, centered life. What he's telling them here, this, is this, okay? So they have been told, the people in Colossians, 
had been told that Jesus isn't who he said he was. And they had been given a watered-down version of Jesus. And Paul says no. That's why he gives us in verse 15, starting that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And he says, if you're going to live a stable life, if you're going to live a confident life, if you're going to live a centered, powerful life, it comes from saying yes to the Lord. Just a simple yes. And as you do that... When you have your confidence in the Savior, you live in a way that is different from the rest of the world. In the Sermon on the Mount, there's just this little moment where Jesus is warning against taking oaths. And he says to them uh, over in Matthew, let your yes be yes and your no mean no. And the point that he's making is that when you are saying yes to the Lord, when you're living for him, you don't have to think about the integrity of your decisions because you're following the Lord. You can be confident. You can be secure in who you are and what you're doing. When I was growing up, I used to hear my dad talk all the time. My dad, um, my dad, when I was growing up, would flip cars. I don't mean like wreck them. I mean like he would take old cars and he would fix them up and then he would sell them. He did that so many times in a year that he got a uh, mail from the state telling that he had to get a dealer's license if he did it one more time. And we never knew what he would show up with. There would be days that we literally, there was a day he showed up to pick me up from elementary school and the, the car I got in, the it was a truck, and there you could see the ground underneath you as you drove. And he went to pick my brother up at the high school. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. My brother at the high school did not dove in and so i would talk to my dad and i would say well how do you know this is a good truck how do you know this is a good vehicle how do you know the engine's good because dad he could do engine work but he didn't do engine work he just did body work like how do you know and he said well the guy told me it was think about that today right did you check carfax right did you did you run it through some tests did you take it over to jim whitfield get him plug it up and say here's what's happening on this thing no, he, he told me, and I trust him. There used to be a saying around, right? My word is my bond. My yes is a yes. My no is a no. We don't need to sign any papers. We don't need to read the fine print. We don't need to have an attorney. We live in a society today that's, well, it's good if it works okay. Like, yes, I'll commit to that unless I see something better come up on Instagram later. Oh, unless if it gets really hard, I may not be able to. What he talks about in Colossians, what he talks about in Isaiah 26 with the waiting is that when we say yes to the Lord, it gives us the endurance to endure what we need to in the moment we need it. When we simply say yes. Yes is a valuable tool that you have. And when you say yes to the Lord, it changes your life. And here's what I want to tell you. It it may not change every circumstance of your life today or tomorrow or next week. In fact, some of the circumstances of your life may never change. But the way in which you are strengthened to endure in the midst of it, the way that you are able to live in the midst of it, that will change as you begin to say yes daily to the next decision that's in front of you from the Lord. 
That's why I go back to what I give people advice when they ask, how do I get back in touch with the Lord? Sometimes there is a dramatic moment. Sometimes there is that revival moment. The Lord descends and you quit everything you've ever been doing wrong and you start to follow the Lord. You start to pursue Him with passion. But more times than not, the better option is that you just begin to say yes to the Lord in the decision that's in front of you right now. And as you do that and build the habit, build the consistency of that, your life will begin to reflect your Savior. And you will walk in a manner worthy of the calling on your life of Christ dying for you. So what's the next yes for you? What is it that God's calling you to just say yes to today? Let's pray together.